Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the gift of this day, and in every way the gifts show up obvious, we say thank you. For the opportunities of this day, in every way they urge us deeper into life with you, we say thank you. For the challenges of this day that shape us and form us into the kind of people you intend us to be, we say thank you. And would you be so kind, Lord, whether we're seeing opportunity today or challenge, would you be so kind as to meet us as we open your word so as to speak to us as we listen well to call us to the things you have in mind for the good of the whole world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Do you recognize the name Pat DeVries? Pat's one of the matriarchs of Pillar. Our building is upheld by columns. Our life is upheld by its pillars. She's one of them. Saint Pat. She deserves to be called. One of the first female deacons at Pillar one of the first female deacons in the entire Christian Reformed Church denomination, uh, two years ago diagnosed with multiple myeloma, an angry version of cancer that leaves everyone it touches in its ravaged wake. Uh, Shortly after the diagnosis, it seemed like the end was near. Uh, Her body was weak, and we wondered if she'd last the week. But she's tough. She's Dutch. She rallied. She recovered, not cured, but recovered, back to her ways of extreme hospitality. Family over for meals, coffee dates with friends, dinner dates with her beloved Michael, who also was battling cancer. To the surprise of all of us, Michael's cancer was more aggressive, and six months ago or so, we gathered in this space to celebrate his life and grieve his death. Pat's first husband, Cal, died suddenly of a heart attack about 20 years ago. Can you imagine? But Pat's tough. Uh, She's fighting hard. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, new reports uh, revealed Multiple myeloma is doing what it does. Uh, Her body is struggling. Her bones are soft. Uh, Any day could be her last day. But she's tough. She's fighting. She's letting cancer know you may win the battle, but you will not win the war. Uh, I was with her about a week or so ago, a week and a half, over at her condo off of 16th and Quarter Line. Uh, her daughters, Carrie and Kathy and Connie, were there. They welcomed me, ushered me down the little hall to her bedroom where she was laying. There was a chair next to the bed. I sat on it, held her hand. We had a delightful conversation. Uh, I'll, I want to tell you about it. Yeah, I'll tell you more in a few minutes, but first... Uh, I should say again, we're we're launching today into a series of sermons on the Apostles' Creed. 
Uh, I'll make a more substantive case as to why I think this is so important for us in weeks to come. Uh, but for now, that's where we're heading. Into that 1,500-year-old statement of faith, Christians have been standing on their feet to announce for just that long. If you're a Christian, this is going to be a great summer to think through the things Christians believe. If you're wondering about faith, if you have questions about Christianity, it'll be a great summer to think through together your wonderings. If, if you're not a Christian, if you wouldn't describe yourself that way, it'll be a great summer to think through the dissonance. And it begins like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's where it begins. That's how it starts. That's what Christians have been standing to their feet to, be, to say for so long. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The creed begins with the God of the beginning, so I thought it'd be a good idea for us to do the same thing. Uh, there are a few stories in the Bible that I want to be so knit to our spirit, so interiorized by us that when I speak the first few words of the story, you could then go on and tell the rest of it for me. Uh, like, Humpty Dumpty sat on a... That is how deeply interiorized I want six or seven different Bible passages, and this is one of them. So listen carefully and listen well. In the beginning... When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. The light he called day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters to separate the waters from the waters. And it was so, God called the dome sky and it separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And there was evening and there was morning, a second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening. There was morning. The third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth and to separate the light from the darkness and to rule over the day and over the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So God made the two great lights, the greater light 
to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And he set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to separate the light from the darkness, to rule over the day and over the night. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. The fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let winged birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God made the great sea monster and every living thing that moves with which the waters swarm and every winged bird that flies above the earth across the dome of the sky. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the seas and let winged birds multiply in the face of the earth. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, cattle and creepy things and wild animals. And it was so, the earth brought forth living creatures Cattle and wild animals and creeping things of every kind on the face of the earth. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and creeping things and wild animals. So God made humankind in his image According to his likeness, male and female, he made them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every green plant with seed in it and the trees with fruit bearing seed in them for food. And to the beasts of the earth, and to the birds of the air, and to the creeping things, and to everything in which is the breath of life, I've given you every green plant for food. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. Thus, the heavens and the earth were created, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished all the work of creation. So God rested on the seventh day and blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God finished all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Genesis 1 if you want to find it. A little bit of chapter 2. That's the beginning. That's what our creed is pointing us to when we stand to our feet and say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Which means at least three things. God preserves, God adopts, God promises. Does that sound like a decent way forward? And by the way, I haven't preached that pillar in about a month, which means this sermon is going to be exceedingly long. <laughs> so if you have lunch plans, I'd, I'd change them. Uh, 
when we stand to our feet and say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we mean to say God preserves the good world God made. I mean, God, Christians think, Christians think God made it. God spoke it into existence. God whispered and mountains happened. God said and it was so. Now, if you're not a Christian, just a moment of intellectual honesty, if not God, then what? And if not God, then how? You have to answer the questions. If not God, then what? If not God, then how? And any version of answer to those questions is unverifiable. Are you hanging with me? Which is why they're called theories. Which is another way of saying any answer to those questions is an expression of faith. And the Christian faith says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. God spoke and it happened. God whispered and it was so. God said sun and the sun. God said stars and the stars. God said moon and moon. God said creeping things and creeping things happened. Creation, life, exists by the very breath of God. Should God cease to breathe life into creation, we would cease to exist. Uh, this is what the author to the letter of Hebrews was saying. God sustains the world by his powerful word. It's not only speaking creation into existence and then stepping back and watching it all unfold. It's speaking creation into existence and then preserving it by his very breath. You probably noticed Genesis 1. There's several things repeated over and over. That's how people can actually memorize Genesis 1. One of the words repeated is good, good, good. Every day is announced good except day two, but day three gets a double good to make up for day two. <laughs> the good world God made, he does not stand back and let wallow in its suffering until finally one day he'll offer some eternal respite, but rather preserves it by his providence and enters into it in his son Jesus Christ to redeem it and restore it. Uh, the prayer we pray so many Sundays on the way to the table, you have created heaven with all their hosts, tell me if this sounds familiar, and earth with all of its plenty, you preserve us by your providence. Uh, to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is to say not only that God creates, but that God preserves, which I think is really important. Um, beyond the beauty of the truth of it. It's really important because we live in a crazy world. We live in a mixed up, messed up, broken, sad world. Would you like me to offer some highlights? <laughs> and you can use that as evidence then, I guess, that God is not, well, God is not, or maybe God is not good, 
or you can see it as invitation to enter into the places of pain and sadness and suffering and hurt because God preserves. God will preserve you. I'm not promising everything goes well for you, but God will preserve you in his kind providence. So, young man, on Father's Day, whose father is lying in a hospital bed fighting for his life, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So, young woman, for whom every family gathering is an exercise in extreme anxiety, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So, heartbroken Christian who looks out at the sad world full of oppression and abuse and pain and heartache, and you're angry about it. Hold on now. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. God preserves. So go. Uh, a couple years ago, Kristen and I uh, were in a conversation with a church in another town. We were living in Washington at the time. This was before we came to Pillar, uh, just to be clear. Uh, they were looking for a pastor, and they were doing some cool things, so we hung out with them for a weekend. Uh, as part of the weekend was an interview. So we walked in. I'm not going to tell you where this was, by the way. We walked into the interview. There were 25 people. It's kind of intimidating. And we sat there and opened ourselves to their inquiry. The first question they asked, you ready for this? The first question, I mean, I was prepared for like, how are you? Or would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Now, the first question they asked, do you believe God created the world in seven solar days? <laughs> I said, nice to meet you too. <laughs> I was fully prepared to address my strengths and cover over my weaknesses, but do you believe God created the world in seven solar days? I knew what they were looking for. It's an important conversation to have, and I, 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 I could have just given them what they wanted and got on to the next question, whatever that was going to be. Uh, I don't know. It was a, a mental lapse in judgment. I said, I, I don't understand your question. The sun was made on the fourth day. What do you mean by seven solar days? They were as confused by my answer as I was by their question. I'm not trying to dismiss the need to have those important conversations, but I am suggesting let's not get distracted from the larger, more beautiful point God made and God preserves. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is to say God preserves. It's also to say God adopts this beautiful line. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God created for himself a family. All who are made are made in the image of God. But our image of Godness has been hidden by our fallenness. We hide. We hide the image of God in us. But God won't let his image be hidden for long, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the exact imprint, according to Hebrews, of God's very being. He is the image of the invisible God, 
Paul says. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, the image of God, to adopt for himself a family of faith. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, you're adopted as daughters and sons of the living God. Isn't that awesome? Uh, You can check my research on this, but in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father very rarely. It does occur, but it's rare. And God is never addressed as Father in prayer in the Old Testament. That changes in the New Testament when Christ teaches us to pray our Father. And from that moment on, people have been praying our Father because of adoption through Jesus Christ. Carl Barth, 20th century theologian reflecting on John Calvin, 16th century reformer, God is Father because he has a son. And we can be his children because this son stands for us before him. We are not then being presumptuous when we call God our Father, neither religiously audacious nor enthusiastic nor sentimental. We are simply being reverent. The Heidelberg Catechism puts it even more clearly. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he's almighty. He desires to do this because he's father. Isn't that good? He's able to because he's almighty. He desires to because he's father. And you've been adopted as children of the living God because of Jesus Christ the Son. And if I, if I could just say, claim it, embrace it, own it, you belong to the living God because of Jesus Christ the Son. It changes everything. It changes the way you behave in the social circle on Friday night and in your loneliness on Saturday afternoon. It changes the way you confront your failures and celebrate your successes. It changes everything. You belong to Christ. All the identity politics at play in the world are subordinate to this. You belong to Christ. Am I the only one getting worked up? When we stand and dare to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we mean God preserves. We also mean God adopts uh, and God promises. The good world God made will be made good again. God's going to make all things right. God's going to make all things new. God's going to reorder all things So uh, I've read Genesis 1 a couple of times. I've recited it a few times. This is one of those places in the Bible I want to be so inside of us that when I say, in the beginning, God, you say, created heaven and earth. Uh, Part of the joy of memorizing the Bible is just how surprised you can be at the new things you see. Uh, I don't know. I, I just wasn't paying attention, I guess. But I never noticed before it begins. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. 
Am I making much ado about nothing? I, I never, this is a description of the heavens being made, not just the earth. Maybe lulled to sleep by the you know, sea monster and the, and the creeping things. You, you sort of think it's just creation, but apparently in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and then again, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And then again, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. Now, to your scholarly eye, I'm sure a few of you are thinking, well, in the Old Testament, heavens and earth is another way of saying everything. And I'm saying, right. <laughs> everything. Heavens and earth. So you get the description of earth, but where's heaven? Where's the description of the eternal? Well, maybe, maybe, actually, the, the description of earth is an awful lot like the description of heaven. Maybe this is why the Apostle John, when he peered into eternity, saw a new heaven and a new earth. Maybe, maybe the description of heaven comes most clear on day seven. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Rest. 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 It's interesting. Um, after God made the world, some things happened that were uh, less than optimal. Uh, God sent a flood to purify the world and preserved for himself a people through a man named Noah. You know what Noah's name means? Take a wild stab at it. Rest. Rest. And in the New Testament, Jesus is likened to Noah. Rest. And Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Finally, one day, rest. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. It's fascinating. Uh, humankind is made on, gen uh, on day six. We're birthed into the universe on day six, which makes day seven our first day. Our first act is rest. It's deep in our DNA. So deep, you might not even be able to find it anymore. Three times God blesses creation. You probably heard it. He, he blesses the uh, swarming creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. And the blessing is be fruitful and multiply. Be generative. Life. More life. Full life. Whole life. That's day five. Uh, or that's day, yeah, day five. Day six, he blesses uh, humankind. Same blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Be generative. Life, life, more life, full life. Third blessing, day seven. And on it, God rested. So God blessed it. Rest, life, generative. New life, full life, whole life. Rest, rest, rest. Finally, one day, rest, rest. So I was in a conversation with Pat, uh, Pat DeVries, this was about a week or so ago, diagnosed two years ago with multiple myeloma, angry version of cancer. Pat is a matriarch of this congregation. 
Her smile is huge, her heart is larger, her acts of kindness and hospitality, encouragement, uh, are, they belong in a category that, where only Pat exists. Um, a couple of weeks ago now, she, the new reports came, it's not good. Her body is failing, her bones are weak. Hospice was called, palliative care was the direction, just keep her comfortable. So I drove 16th quarter line to her condo. Uh, Kathy and Carrie and Connie, her three of her four daughters, welcomed me into their condo and walked me down the little hall uh, to where Pat was. She was laying on the bed. There was a chair next to the bed, so I sat on it, grabbed Pat's hand. She said, hello, pastor. It's like a drink of cool water. She said, how are you? I was sort of embarrassed that she asked first. Uh, so I said, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. How are you? She said, I'm good. <laughs> I actually believed her. Um, we had this delightful conversation. Uh, tried to recall uh, what it was like to be one of the first female deacons in the CRC. Talked about her first husband, Cal. Talked about her beloved Michael. It's a delightful conversation, but I made a mistake. I stayed too long. <laughs> it was such a wonderful time. I stayed longer than her strength allowed. Uh, so as part of the conversation, I said, do you ever wonder what it's going to be like? Heaven. She said, oh, yeah. Yeah, what do you think it's going to be like? I was hoping she would answer the question because she's so much closer. I said, I don't know. I don't think we can really know, but it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. She said, oh, yes, yes. And then she said, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm tired. Rest. 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 I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, God rested. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Amen.